This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I am joined by my good friend, Nate, aka Epitasis. What's up, Nate? What's up, Aaron? Back in the first position. I'm happy to be here with you and Mike. Talk about some vlogs. I'm a huge vlog fan, as you may or may not know. Um, that's all. That's all I got going on. Okay. Huge vlog fan. Glad to hear it. We yeah. are, of course, uh, joined by our good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Iron Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old friend, Mike Spears. I, too, enjoy consuming content. And we consumed a lot of content for y'all this week. <laughs> We're going to talk about a lot of that content. Uh, but first, I want to tell you that you can follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. You can find me at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis and Mike is at Fuji. Hey, yeah. Make sure you're subscribing to the Everything Elite uh, feed. You can also get us on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. And make sure that if you're on iTunes that you are rating and reviewing the show. We have complained a couple of times about the lack of reviews only to find out that we actually have three very nice reviews. Uh, I want to give some shout outs to Inkling 116, Option Zero, and No Chance in Hell. Chant as in like chanting. Pretty funny. These are all nice. Uh, I feel good about always calling us the best podcast about AEW because uh, one of these reviews says it, that we're easily the best AEW podcast. That's a, that makes it official. You only need yeah. one person to say it, and then you can put that poll quote right on the box. That's right. Mm -hmm. So easily the best AEW podcast. I'll probably start saying that at the uh, start of the show. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about. There's, of course, a new Road to Double or Nothing that came out yesterday. And we're going to talk, no, today. We're going to talk about that. The We're going to talk about All In 2. We're going to talk about the AEW and CEO joint show. And we're going to talk about uh, Jim Ross. So get excited about that. We can start with Road to Double or Nothing episode nine and it all starts with who a uh, long segment that's really about uh starcast so we see cody brandy and qt marshall meeting with conrad and tony shivani and dave silva talking about starcast so the, the general idea of this was that starcast is going to be very big they have seventy-five thousand square feet at caesars uh two locations two dozen live events a lot of older wrestlers and stuff are going to be there. Um, I just don't care about Starcast in any way. Like it was so weird to me to hear yeah. Conrad be like, "I just think of me as a wrestling fan, what I would want, and it's this." And I'm like, "Who are these people that want to go listen to live podcasts and hear, you know, Raven and DDP talk about God knows what?" Who has anything really to say new about the '90s wrestling boom? And who, if you're someone that's so like for it? Like, go revisit the content. Like, this is not for me. I thought the video that they kind of put together looked really low, low, low budget, especially in comparison to what they've done so far with the imagery and the production value of Road to Double or Nothing. I feel like that was a real stark comparison there. And then you have someone like Eric Bischoff, who, as soon as I saw Eric Bischoff up there basically promoting this there, I was like, okay. I, and then I completely checked out of this. Like it's for people who are excited about it. I'm, I did not mean to put you all down, but this is just, I can't wrap my head around this 
also, Aaron. Like, I know I like some obscure wrestling stuff. So, what I would want at a Starcast would be entirely different from probably ninety nine point nine five percent of wrestling fans. But this kind of stuff, like, I don't need to hear Scott Hall and Raven do this kind of thing. And it makes me wonder. This was like part of the agreement that they would put them on this episode because it was so weird. I just couldn't. I didn't care for this at all. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, <laughs> I um, I also don't like. I I won't. I'm not a WWE access guy. I'm not a. I didn't go to Starcast last year. Don't really have any interest in, you know, the the eight by tens and you know the handshakes and autographs and stuff. Not my scene. But as a piece of pro wrestling here, in selling the event, I thought it was a perfectly fine promotional video. I thought something that they were really good about doing at the first all in was uh, communicating the idea that the WWE does not own pro wrestling history, that it's more of a collective ownership of pro wrestling history. And I think that's a good thing that they communicate here again by having people like Scott Hall and Raven and DDP, you know, basically putting over their event and talking about how these guys have changed the business and, uh, you know, et cetera, and doing all this fun stuff for the fans. So I, you know, for, for the people they are selling it to, I think they did a perfectly good job selling it. Um, but yeah, I, I also, you know, pretty much checked out because it's selling something I already do. I'm not buying. Yeah. I guess the upside to it is you've already sold people like us on the event. And now if you can also convince the people who care about Scott Hall and Raven and DDP, that this is an event for them, then you're, all you're doing is adding to your audience without subtracting from your audience. So Nothing wrong with it. It's just not for me. We then got some footage from C2E2, which is a, you know, I really don't know, but like a Comic-Con type thing that happened in Chicago. Yes. (laughs) Thanks, Nate. What it is. Sure. Cool. Nailed it. Summed it right up. (laughs) They should put that on the poster. Yeah. They, uh, Bucks and Omega were doing a meet and greet and a panel. And I guess we'll just cut in here and talk about the fact that they basically announced during the C2E2 panel that All In 2, or whatever they intend to call it, well, it's kind of weird. They said at the time that it was going to be in September in Chicago. Uh, they strongly hinted it would be at the at uh, the Sears Center again. But in the latest Observer, Dave reported that it's going to happen on August 31 and uh, confirmed that it will be in the Sears Center. So, I guess that's not really news to us. We all kind of assumed that, but any thoughts generally on uh, All In 2 this year? Uh, I'll be there. I hope some of you guys can come out and and visit and go to the show. I've got some of my uh, normie local friends have already committed. Uh, So that's, you know, they were a couple of my local friends here, stayed home from the last All In despite my best efforts, but ended up coming around. So they're going to go this time. Um, So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm happy I'll get to see one of their shows this year. Yeah, I think that unless something changes for me, I'm going to try to make it up there. And I still kind of kick myself for missing the first stall in. And the fact that this will pro- this will likely be the fourth show of the promotion. And at that point, like being able to see Double or Nothing and then not being able to go to the, the, the CEO show or also the uh, Fight for the Fallen, being able to make it up for that should be a lot of fun. And then I love Chicago, so my family's from that area, so I'm all about that. Yeah, I'm confident I'll be there. Uh, but we'll, all right, everybody's we'll, coming out. That's right. Will we be able to get Aaron Taub out there? The late Aaron Taub, who can say? <laughs> yeah. He might have an election that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I would. That's awfully close to November, so you know yeah, it'll be hard. True. Yes. Uh, okay, and we'll get back and talk a little more about some other C two E two things. That's really it's quite a thing to say over and over again. Uh, but we'll talk about more of what came up in the panel here in a little bit. But I want to get through the rest of this Road to Double or Nothing episode. We get a little Kenny Omega promo that uh, was cut at C two E two, where he talks about uh, will he thank Chris Jericho if Chris Jericho beats him at double or nothing. And he goes through his whole thing about, oh, yeah, yeah, we owe you everything. And uh, I'm not going to thank Chris Jericho unless he beats me. So another nice little thing to tag on to this uh, match that can get a little more interest and excitement into it. Then we see uh, Cody, and he is talking on the phone with Denise, who is the elite seamstress. And also Brandon Cutler's wife. So interesting that we saw uh, Sandra last week. And I guess she's not the elite seamstress. So bad news for her, I guess. Seems like maybe she was positioned as the women's seamstress. Whereas mm. we know that Denise mm. has been making gear for Cody and the Bucks for a while. So maybe that's the distinction. Okay. Yeah. I could buy that. And basically what's going on here is that she is working, I think, on Cody's gear for Double or Nothing, right? Yes, correct. Uh, I don't know what these things meant that they were talking about, so I'm going to need <laughs> someone else to uh, break those down. So okay. were, he was deciding between Thanos, who is from the major motion picture series, The Avengers, okay, or sure. Alucard, who is from Castlevania. Uh, Mike, are you a Castlevania Yes, guy? yeah, it's from Castlevania, and it has reference, in Castlevania it basically references the Bram Stoker Dracula books. It's Dracula backwards. Yep, yep. Alucard oh, is the uh, shit. What's his What's his name from TNA? Uh, relic. Relic. <laughs> there we go. Al Alucard yeah. is the relic of uh, Castlevania. Jeez, I'm the real gamer here. Okay. Yeah. I was never not my. I'm not a Metroidvania guy. Oh no! Like this is extremely my my thing. Like Alucard was one of the major characters in the series, and pretty much his his outfit looks kind of like Brad Pitt from Interview with a Vampire. So it's going to be shipped that way. Oh, it's right up Erica's alley. Oh, nice. The only thing I know about Thanos, is that how you say it? Thanos? Oh, no. Th Thanos? 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 I don't know. I don't. I, I, I got off comic book movies, to be honest. Okay. The only thing I know about that character is that uh, there is a, an old dude on Kentucky's basketball team this year. He's like 22, 23. Mm -hmm. and, and he's very like big and buff. And the young kids on the team call him Thanos. Because he Th just looks... Thanos. I think it's Thanos. Yeah. Yeah. Thanos, yeah. Very extremely of... popular in the in the culture right now. Yeah. Mainstream. Josh Brolin. Got to yeah. got to do it for the culture. Mm -hmm. Now, while this conversation is going on, there's a whiteboard, much like Iron Mike Spears. <laughs> yes, I do have a whiteboard. And it's where <laughs> I keep track of work and shows I'm working on. It's very important. I respect Cody Rhodes for having lists. Lists are great, guys. I no, think I, I make lists. Big list fan. I use Evernote to keep all my lists. Uh, and I, when I had a more formal office, I did keep a whiteboard up. It's funny because Mike's whiteboard is right behind him as we record each week. So I can always kind of see what he's working on that week. So it's fun. Hey. I'm, I'm a desktop calendar guy. All right. Really? Yeah. You and my mom are the only people I know who use a desktop calendar. Well, I got a, I got a lot of week-to-week -week deadlines. So just, yeah. you know, uh, uh, docket it all out that way. So did you have the, the one that slides into your desk that's the big paper one? So each month you tear off the page of paper? Uh, so yes, it is the big paper one. It does not okay. slide in. I mean, this is this is pretty exciting news, so I'll share this with you now. Okay. If you get a I, new desk at work, it's a, it's Ooh. a yeah. 
big big fancy desk and it's got like a wing piece to the left so pretty much that whole left wing piece is dedicated to the desktop calendar it's love, got, love that kind of desk there's some lore for our listeners yeah love a good elbow desk at work you know wrap it around you oh yeah i can put around. my elbow on there it's great yeah oh yeah i i kind of in my home office i kind of created that idea by getting two desks and just kind of l them together did that work out or, the, or is one of them off balance so they're not exactly together because that's my no, they're perfect oh well oh, okay well then fuck me i'm wrong <laughs> <laughs> well i bought two of the exact same desk uh together that's wrong. High level that's high yeah level. i mean true. we've all built yeah. ikea stuff like i have two ikea nightstands and one of the ones works and the other one i keep it basically propped shut and just because i know that if i open it up i'm never gonna be able to get right i mean hey being able to pull together two identical desks the same way that's an accomplishment you get a gold star there Aaron Bentley. Okay, so now you know uh, your floor is level, your house is level. It all sounds pretty good. Yeah. Well, here's here's my life hack. Before I get too much credit for this. Okay. Uh, SB puts together all the all the okay. furniture. Oh, that, I see. That computes. That yeah. computes. Yeah. She's uh, great, and uh, anything like if we need something hung or anything like that, like that's an SB gig. Um, hmm. Looking into your office right now. Oh yeah, you see all those posters that are hung on the wall. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that's all SB. She gets them framed and does the. Hey, all that stuff. Uh, she used to do, um, what's it called? Like visual merchandising. Okay. And so she would have to like build a lot of stuff and put it together and hang it up and all this sort of thing. So I may need to, uh, to borrow her when you, when you guys are up here. She is uh, a lot handier than I am, first of all, and just like super duper handy. She rules. Everything Elite Road episode at Air, at uh, Nate's house. Uh, SB joins us as we critique it. Nate's uh, wall accoutrements. I mean, I do. I have like two framed uh, posters or prints immediately to my right, which I just have not put up. And I also have a framed, very nice photo in my work, my office at work, which has been sitting on the ground ready to be hung up for probably four months and just haven't done it. Yeah. See, I used, when I had a, an office office, uh, a normie office, I uh, brought SB in to hang up all my stuff. Oh, see, this is what I need. Okay. Well, I, my office is a quick hop from my place, so when she's uh, when she's up here, we can do a road trip. I, when we I'll come up for for Blackpink, uh, we can make it happen. Count on it. Okay, so so the whiteboard. Speaking of, speaking of whiteboards, <laughs> yeah, let's get back Cody to it. Had a whiteboard behind him. The most interesting uh, topic on it was OKC itinerary. So we've all taken that, you know, to mean Oklahoma City. So, Stands the reason. Yeah. So what do we think is going on in, in OKC? Well, I checked with uh, with Oklahoma expert Oatgan, friend of the show. Uh, he, the said, Oatgan. <laughs> he said Oklahomania is not coming up. The big Oklahomania event is not on the calendar, so we can rule out Oklahomania. Oh, I, I just got. had this. I just had this thought. Isn't uh, I mean, Jim Ross is famously from Oklahoma. Oh, uh, yeah, the boomer sooner thing. Okay. Yeah. Could, could that have something to do with it? Yeah. What a disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking maybe he was a big Russell Westbrook fan. And I was like, maybe he's going to go to a Thunder game. But now you completely yeah. buzz killed it, man. I don't want to think about old ass JR. <laughs> I mean, the playoffs are getting ready to start. So I guess that could be it. But I mean, it's obviously yeah. put there for a reason, right? Like mm -hmm. they put yeah, it up there so we would uh, notice it. Right. I think, I think you just solved it. Yeah. So you don't think. I mean, is Oklahoma City the type of place they could run a show? I don't. I mean, they could. Just from following out, Ken, I don't think they do. I don't think the local wrestling scene is great. 
like literally that Oklahoma event where it's always like Jack Swagger, and then they have some weird ass signing associated with it. Danny Hodge, which all I hear up. about. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there is the OKC Thunder's arena, but if there's no scene around to it, and it's not a really great travel destination. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like say what we will about Jacksonville, you're still in Florida. So like that's people can still go to the beach, but I just don't see Oklahoma City. So I think it has to be a JR thing. Yeah, I'm watching what I say because my my Twitter account is famously huge in Oklahoma, so I don't want to oh. get any of my <laughs> followers. Well, okay. I'm from Texas and I don't like Oklahoma, so I'm okay with lambasting Oklahoma. It kind of sucks, but sorry, I don't I don't have any strong feelings about Oklahoma to be honest. Uh, okay, the other topic. See. What's that? See. Okay. See. Uh, the other well let's edit that out (laughs) no it's hilarious okay the other interesting topic on the whiteboard was uh in all caps i think visas visas so a lot of stuff going on with visas right now of course there was the the new japan thing where uh, they couldn't get guys over for the new japan usa shows although they claim that they've got that they've had all the visas worked out for their WrestleMania weekend show and presumably going forward. Uh, We also, of course, found out recently that Pac is not going to be at any of the WrestleCon shows for Mania weekend because of a visa issue. Although, bizarrely, in the WrestleCon release, they claimed that it was not going to affect Pac's appearances for AEW. So, yeah. I I don't know what that's about, but clearly they're worried or at least, you know, wanting to make sure they're paying attention to getting their visas in order. Yeah. And there's not much that can be said at this moment, but expect to hear some more visa news over the next few days around mania. This has become a real story for how wrestling is in 2019 with international wrestlers. And I feel like that when they're when they're specifically mentioning AEW, I feel like that one of the bigger problems that I, I'm guessing is that you need to have a larger company push through these uh, visas because they're supposed to show like that this is specific talent that's supposed to be exceptional internationally, and it's kind of hard for a company like High Spots to put it through. Whereas if you're a company that has a lot of money and you can kind of shove it through, you have a better chance of that. And it's that's been a concern also for OEW. Like they were supposed to have kids over in the States last year and it fell through because they just didn't have the money for it. Did I prove also, it? It can also be helpful if you've donated large sums of money to uh, the president of the United States. And if you're literally a big Trump fundraiser. <laughs> yes, but I, I was also making a reference to one Shad Khan. <laughs> That is fair. That is fair. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't see uh, none of the WWN associated promotions are having visa issues. And we know they're little Trump fundraisers, um, you know, and then similar with Ring of Honor and New Japan. We know Sinclair, of course, is uh, a Trump booster. So, yeah, you know, the big the big promotions are uh, are, are greasing the palms where they need to seemingly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this the, the, we do know that they've been working on this for a while because I think it was one of the earliest double or nothings where they were talking about getting the letters from Lance Storm and Dave Meltzer to submit for visa applications and shit. So we know the gears have been in motion already. Um, we'll just have to you know, hope that everything pans out. Yeah, and with regard to Mania Weekend, 
I don't think it's out of the question that we're going to show up and just some people won't have made it into the country. So I, I'm interested to see how that goes. I'm willing to wager significant money that there will be people that are advertised that won't be there internationally. It's yeah, like, like I think people may just get stopped at the border and it's just over. And here's the thing also about Russell Khan doing this. They're doing this. They, they try to do this the proper way to my understanding they submitted this documentation for Pac months ago, like right after he was announced. So this isn't like, oh, we're going to we're going to announce Pac, and then you know, in in February we'll send this in, it'll be fine. No, this was something that they've been trying to get done for a while, and it's going to really impact the ancillary shows around WrestleMania weekend. Like, it, it'll be interesting. I, that's all, that's all I'll say. It's also wild because like Pac, by any measure, should fulfill the the requirements of, of an exceptional talent for that sort of visa. I mean, we're not talking about some of the smaller companies. We're not talking about, you know, I don't know, I was trying to think of some random person from DDT, you know, who's coming. We're not talking about Antonio Honda, right? Uh, so like... <laughs> And I don't mean to like take a shot at that specific person. I just try to think of a name. Gee, like, heavy shot. But, but Pac was like a big guy in WWE just recently. Oh, right? sure. So, yeah. and he obviously works at bigger companies. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, internationally. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm just like fascinated by this because when, when Mike says, hey, they are trying to do it the right way. What's unsaid there is some people come to the United States to work wrestling shows on tourist visas. Yes. Period. Yeah, I mean, Ikimanjiro like quit his promotion like two weeks ago and is now going to be here for WrestleMania weekend. Like, yes, that man is not coming here on a work visa. I, I can't mean, imagine unless he's been unless you know he, the DDT has been doing under the radar and behind Russell One's back or something. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me with some of the comings and goings with Russell One as of late, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and like famously, that's been a big problem for Canadian wrestlers because. They, they, no one would buy a visa for this, and that's how the Super Smash Brothers were turned around. Mike Bailey was turned around. Josh, Josh Alexander had a ban, and then recently, when Impact signed him, he got his visa. And there's some significant uh, indie talent that have talked about going from Canada to United States for promotions that are bigger than you think without having an established visa. So it's scary stuff, and it's something that under this administration with its draconian views and it's basically hell world mindset this is a, a side effect of trump uh, of of the big orange slug so it's it's fucked and it's going to be interesting especially for a match like will osprey and Pac versus chris brooks and jonathan gresham that's an interesting matchup that now is gone just purely because of administration so and there's probably gonna be more to come. Yeah, I'm terrified that one of the show I'm most excited about, I'm terrified that we're gonna show up and there's not gonna be any wrestlers. No, you know? our, our shows are fine. Uh, that, <laughs> I, I have questions about one of the shows that we're yeah. I don't even want to say it out loud because I know no, the, the shows that me and Bentley are excited for, New Japan and, and Stardom, are fine. Up. Okay, hope you're right. Okay. I'm pretty, I'm, I, I feel pretty good. I mean, okay. I, I, I just look at, okay, I'm, I'm done. I can't, yeah, my mouth well, shut. We'll find out, right? We'll, be, we'll, we'll find out, yeah, yeah. We'll know very time. soon, very soon.
All right. So to close out this uh, topic and to close out this portion of Road to Double or Nothing number nine, uh, Denise asked Cody if he wants to stay away from gold for his gear. But Cody says, no, uh, she's on the right path. So I take that as a, a clear reference to possibility of him working gold dust on the show. Yeah. And then we saw uh, Pro Wrestling Sheet said that gold dust contract had expired. Uh, Gold Dust just did one of his pissy little tweets where he's mad about the fans because, oh, no, I, my contract's still good. I don't know what you have to be so mad about, but, yeah, um, it seems like Gold Dust is the way they're going. Does this, like, does all the hinting, the not very subtle hinting, start to make you think that Gold Dust is not the way they're going and they're just trying to lead us there? Mm, unless they're going to swerve us in a way that still makes sense, which I can't think of who that would be, then no, I don't think so. I. It seems like to me that the Rhodes were very much not ever wanting to feud when they were in the WWE, and then Dusty, of course, didn't want them his sons to feud, and the fact that you know Cody is so much talks about how high he how highly he views his dad it makes me wonder if he would, would pull a swerve like this just because it would be something that Dusty would not want to have a match like that. But at the same time, especially they were, Denise was laying it on thick with the gold trim comment. So at the, it's, I, I don't know what you're going to do with Cody though at this, at this time. Yeah. It's my, my recollection is they both were like publicly campaigning for wrestling each other at WrestleMania, like at least a couple of years in a row. So really, yeah, I don't think that was, I don't think there was, I mean, maybe, you know, Dusty probably wanted to get away okay. from the hackneyed brother versus brother stuff with his his involvement, perhaps. But uh, I, I know they both have talked about wanting to do a big match. Well, they re- well they did a match. It just wasn't mm-hmm. a WrestleMania match when that he was uh, Stardust. Yeah. Well, I'm wrong. It, it was very bad. Yeah. Okay. Next thing I want to talk about, the uh, they're going to do the CEO show. So Kenny is back. Uh, the gamer show is back and we're going to get AW uh, and CEO together again, June 29 at the ocean center in Daytona beach, Florida. And the only match announced so far is Michael Nakazawa versus Jabali. Is that how you pronounce it? Jabali is his gamer tag. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love to go by my gamer tag. Okay, that that's a common thing in esports. When I <laughs> when I participated in esports in the mid two thousands, I had a gamer tag of which I'll never utter because that. Oh did. God, please tell us, Mike. Oh no, 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 because still searchable. No, that's not happening. <laughs> I went to I went to a couple of MLGs. Like I was real, I was real into it into Halo too. But I just think the word gamer tag is funny. Like you know, in the in our current uh, cyberpunk present, like having a internet alias is like pretty you know, uh, common, I think, with is people probably is. younger than us. It is. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> but the word gamer tag, it will always be funny. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like when I'm president and gaming is made it illegal, you will all have to wear gamer tags. Uh, I will go to my grave, Aaron Bentley, and not tell you what my gamer tag was. That is something that I've taken, that I've dug deep. And I've buried, and I'll never mention it until I know it's completely erased from the internet. I don't need to talk about my former Halo 2 esports. Okay, sure, this is like my live journal that I will yeah. never. 
tell anybody about sure well, well how many times do you use x's around your name on your live journal aaron i can't comment on that because it would help people <laughs> find it okay so we come to agreement here i won't ask about your live journal fuck off about my halo okay okay we got a deal all right well let's start here yeah let's talk about this what so, do we think generally about aw doing this show with ceo this would be one month after double or nothing and it would be a, like two or three weeks before fight for the fallen that's fair yes i think um it's like you know seems like another sold show seems like the last one they are uh at least by all outward appearances presenting as pretty much a success except for the resulting twitter discourse um so you know if that's the case then probably better to uh uh, 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 pitch your future business plans toward, you know, your actual hard data and numbers and economic success than the Twitter discourse among the, you know, people in our section of Twitter. Um, so yeah, I mean, that the, the build to it to this point has been like very silly and that's appealed to me, but, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's my take. Yeah. I assume it's going to be more like the bucks are going to be there. Kenny's going to be there. It's going to be a lot like the show last time, I think, where, you know, they did, uh, what was it, Kenny and Naito and whoever. Uh, but other than that, I don't think it's going to be like a real AEW show. I, my, I think it'll be a real AEW show, but probably like a five or six match one. Okay. Fair take. Mike, what do you think about the show? I, I hate it. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be quite honest here. I think that the, I know Nate alluded to it with the uh, Twitter discourse, but the CEO show at ocean center was built to be like, they were hoping to sell three or 4,000 seats. Like the ocean center is like a 5,000 seat arena. They maybe had 1500 people there. And then for a company that's been very open about inclusivity being for everyone and, and being like this, the people that were involved in the new Japan ex CEO show completely like you, you can't do that again. And it's just the, the Florida indie scene isn't the most sparkling clean. And it makes me wonder about who they're going to bring down on it. The production for last year was very, very poor. They did have some commentators on it that actually turned out to do wrestling commentary pretty well. And I just, it, it does feel like a sold show. But I just think that in their run-up for this and the way that they've been doing promotion and how kind of deliberate they've been, I mean, we've only now have a schedule that is more than, okay, we have double or nothing and something else. Adding this show in so just like right next to Fight for the Fallen. And in a similar area, Daytona is not super far from Jacksonville. So I just think it's a bad move. And maybe they'll prove me wrong, but... There's such a bad, there was such a bad taste in the mouth and did such a poor job towards like a lot of people's public image, the, uh, in, the new Japan X CEO show that makes me very hesitant to see how it's going to go this time with, uh, all elite and CEO. Yeah, I think you're not wrong. Uh, but I guess the, the upside is it can probably only go better. Like it, would, it probably cannot go worse. That's fair. No, that's entirely fair. I guess my take earlier was like, I hear what Nate is saying. Maybe I'm wrong about the talent that they're going to use, but I just think if you're 
My point is you people are not going to come to Daytona and then a few weeks later come to Jacksonville. Right. So I don't think you can do like big AEW matches on both shows. I think right. it's enough to put the talent on the CEO show and just kind of hope that it's really just the people that are already at this event that okay. are there to see the wrestling show, not anybody coming in to see the wrestling. I think that's the idea, and I think that's what the idea was last year. So yeah, I think it'll be an abbreviated show. They're really trying to appeal to these fighting game community people and attract new fans rather than get a flying audience. And yeah, you know, say what you will about uh, the fighting game community or whatever and, and Twitch, uh, Twitch numbers as a metric of success, but you know, creating new fans is good. All the in-person firsthand uh, accounts of the show were people who are not that I read, uh, you know, on forums, et cetera, were people who are not big wrestling fans going into it or whatever, or, you know, had fallen away from it, ended up having a great time, probably because, you know, seeing Naito get dumped on the back of his head six times was the wildest thing I'd ever seen at that point. I have one more point before we move on for this. Like, I, I totally get what Aaron, what Nate's saying. The idea that the fighting game community is going to cross over. Kenny was on last year's show, and they still massively undersold. I just don't know what has changed, and I don't know if double or nothing will do enough to really spur people into that. And I know that Kenny now has a sponsorship within the esports company now, Aaron, but I don't know how much that's going to really help draw people out for this. I just don't see a crossover to be honest. Right. Well, you, you can't draw from new fans if you haven't made the new fans yet. So you mm -hmm. have to get people that are a captive audience there, get them to, to come out to the show because they're already in town and they need something to do on that night. And then hopefully make them a fan while they're there at their first, you know, wrestling event. That's I, that's, I think, you know, speaking favorably to what they would sell you as what they're attempting to do. That's fair. Yeah. And at their scale, they don't have to convert 5,000 new fans. They can convert a small number and that's going to help down the road with ticket sales. And I don't know if they're going to do pay-per-views or whatever. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I don't think it can be bad unless it goes like it did last time. So I guess it could go badly, but uh, should be fine. Jim Ross, your friend, my friend, friend of the show, Jim Ross, <laughs> uh, has revealed on his podcast, apparently, that he is only days away from signing with AEW. He suggested that he could help in a number of ways, including doing commentary or backstage. So that doesn't read to me like he's being signed as a commentator. Uh, thoughts, Nate, on Jim Ross coming to AEW? Um, yeah, you know, I, I think, Backstage role is fine. Gives him a little more credibility with the whatever WWE weirdos are concerned about, you know, but having their favorite <laughs> office names or whatever. Um, no interest whatsoever in him doing commentary. Can't, you know, bury his commentary job over the last couple of years enough. Um, but, you know, he was he was the guy who identified basically all the big stars of when wrestling was at its hottest. He's the guy who used to do all the mechanics and logistics for house shows and all that shit. So doesn't hurt to have a experienced seasoned hand backstage with that stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm fine. Never hearing his voice again in my life. Yeah. I completely co-sign with it, with Nate on all that. I think that the only time that I would even chance hearing his voice is voiceover work. I feel like doing like audio pack, doing video packages and having him around wouldn't be bad because you could very easily just keep him in the booth until he says it right or try to produce into something half decent but 
He's he'd be a handy person to have around as a part of a member of the brain trust, but keep him away from the commentary desk. Yeah, I agree with that. So I don't, I don't have anything uh, anything good to add there. Let's talk a little bit about some of the C2E2 panel. There were a few interesting things that came out. Uh, a lot of it, it was just like weird questions about like games that I don't know about. So I really can't comment on that. Uh, but a few interesting things I wanted to pick out to talk about. They were asked about what the AEW schedule is going to look like. And Nick Jackson answered that question. He talked about taking holidays off and that the schedule is not going to be as crazy as WWE because of family. Uh, I don't know. I got the sense that it's really just going to be like these monthly shows is going to be the the main driver of the schedule. I, I can see that really being the case, and especially without knowing what their TV plan is, that it could be that they're just on the road once a week if they're doing live TV, or if it's not live, they might do a weekend of shows each month and leave it at that. Yeah, I just don't see them. I don't see like house shows coming. Like no, hopefully they're smart enough not to do that. You <laughs> know, really, wow. it it hasn't helped a wrestling company. I mean, the way that like New Japan does it, I think is interesting. You know, just kind of traveling around doing like the little three week tours or whatever they do, but. uh I don't see any reason in American wrestling to do house shows. Yeah, not certainly not if you're looking at Major League TV. Right, right. Next interesting question I thought was about the TV deal. And I guess what I thought was interesting that came out was Matt saying uh, that they have something cooking and Kenny commenting that things were in motion and, quote, can't be stopped. So this is nothing new. But it does lead us more toward that we're not talking about, well, because the question specifically talked about Netflix and they disregarded that. So I think we're not talking about streaming. I think we're talking about network television. Cable television. Yes. Cable, um, yes. Yeah. Right. And cable I, I, that's, that's what we've, that's what we've said and maintained. Uh, Dave made another comment, you know, where he just said they're going to have TV. So yeah, I think, uh, there's, you know, some some of those new streaming services might have been in play or might have been options. But, uh, yeah, I think that this goes to what we've suspected all along. Yeah. And it's just I think the landscape is that we talked about streaming about a month ago on the show, in particular, talking about Twitch. And Twitch hasn't really gone too much in that space, even though Amazon Prime has. But for stability's sake and long term, you still have to do TV at least to start. But the idea of building on that, I mean, who's to say that they don't do a package deal with a TV network and something else? So, but it's interesting to see how their choice of words that they use in that, though. Yeah, because I mean, the rumors all along have been that the TV's not coming until October. So, I mean, we're still so far away from that that it's not surprising that they haven't really announced anything yet. Uh, so, we'll see what happens. The only other thing that I wanted to talk about from the panel was they were asked about commentary. Uh, Matt Jackson specifically referenced Excalibur, who I think is a great idea. And they basically said they already have who they want. An announcement is coming soon. Uh, Kenny commented that his favorite announcer is Don Callis. I don't see Callis being involved, although I could be wrong about that. Uh, but I'm glad that Excalibur is going to be involved. Hope it's not Jim Ross. Uh, and I am optimistic about the AEW commentary. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure we're looking at Excalibur and Alex Marvez is our primary commentary team. I think they sort of alluded to that during the Las Vegas press conference. Um, 
like Excalibur and PWG, uh, but I think it's also good that he's getting some reps in with New Japan right now because PWG commentary style is not really conducive to a television product, if that's what we're looking at. Um, so yeah, that that's probably good for him to get a bit more straight ahead commentary under his belt there. Um, don't know Alex Marvez if he has experience or how he would do. Um, but yeah, really, you know, they've got they've gotten a lot of names now that we're looking at. They also got Tony Chavone, Tony Schiavone. Um, they got Jim Ross. We just talked about, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind Tony Schiavone on there either. As long as it's not Jim Ross, I'm fine. Have you, I'm sure you've heard Excalibur in his new Japan spots. Nate. Yeah. <laughs> what, what did you think about him in that role? Um, so he seems a little more out of step than I might have expected him to, given how long he's been doing with PWG. Uh, and that's what I was sort of uh, sugarcoating when I said, I think it's good that he's getting uh, new Japan reps under his belt. Uh, it, it, part of that is that he and Kevin Kelly are sort of attempting to do the same job on the play-by-play side of it, I think. Um, but Kevin Kelly is very good about just sitting back and, and, and letting him do it. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I might have thought, I, I guess I sort of had higher expectations than the job he ultimately did, but, uh, I, you know, all the tools are there, I think. Yeah, and if they kind of just let him handle the play-by-play, uh, or I guess in that team, it almost seems like he might be the color guy, but... As long as he has a defined role, he's obviously very good at it from PWG. So, I, you know, and a lot of those guys, when they first come over to New Japan, it kind of takes them a little bit to get going. Callus, I didn't think was very good when he first got there. So, you know, I'd give him some time. Mm. All right. I think that's everything news-wise. So I believe it's time to talk about this week's Being the Elite. All right. Being the Elite. So we're turning immediately to C2E2. Uh, where Kenny is sitting down with the Bucks. This is the cold open. Asks them how their trip to Mexico was. Uh, and and Kenny then goes on to ask, you know, why didn't you guys go out and save Cody when Cody was attacked by Conan and Taurus and his goons? And the Bucks say that, oh, well, they were saving their pop for the for the big surprise appearance. Uh, this really tickled Kenny, and he started giggling because uh, he, he basically throws one of the bus and says, oh, yeah, the crowd is really going mild for you guys. And you know, Barry's so I'm forgetting no reaction in Mexico. Uh, yeah, this was this was one of the funnier segments in a while. Yeah, this cracked me up. I just loved that they just leaned right into it, and Kenny uh, made fun of them. I enjoyed that. Yeah, that's really that's uh, that's really where they're smart is what to lean into and what not to. Yeah, and especially with like the last few weeks and the Twitter discourse about oh no, they're making it, they're going to make AAA worse, and they're immediately making fun of how poor the or how low the crowd knew of them. I thought that was pretty great. Yeah, so then we get the C2E2 signing montage, all the LJF action figures. It really seemed like a lot of them. Uh, then they are back in the hotel. They're they're having to sit down and recapping and unpacking the event. Uh, but Matt keeps hearing everything Kenny and Nick say as Michael Nakazawa. He just over and over, everything starts going crazy and spinning in his head. He passes out on the floor, uh, wakes up, and they become super scary demons in his face. They're both wearing Michael Nakazawa shirts. Um, it was at this point that I realized they're going to get Michael Nakazawa super fucking over by saying his name a lot on this show. They put his name in white text and a black t-shirt and they just said it a lot. And now he's going to be, you know, probably like the sixth most over guy on whatever show he debuts on. Um, 
Yeah, I kind of want I kind of want this shirt, but as I was watching this episode, I realized that it's going to be very popular. And so I I I've, it's already past time I think to have this shirt. It's very silly. Matt washes his face uh and he's wearing a Michael Nakazawa shirt himself looking in the mirror. This was very like Hogan and Warrior and WCW vibes here. Uh, but then maybe Matt wakes up and it's a dream after all. Who can say? Uh, I'm just looking. <laughs> weird to say in 2019, I'm looking to see where they're going with Michael Nakazawa at this point. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Because he's, he's, so, he's going to be so over just because of the shirt and because of him just saying his name. And he's not the wrestler he was like five, six years ago. He's not going to be doing oily guy wrestling. So it'll be interesting to see what Michael Nakazawa is going to be like an all elite. Yeah, probably probably can't do the oily guy bit on major television. Probably can't do the spot where he pulls out his thong or jock strap or whatever it is and rubs it in a guy's face. Um, but so we'll see how he gets to be creative with his other spots, I guess. This uh, this brings to mind that I actually have a Michael Nakazawa trading card that I got from the Kenpuro packs way back in the day. And I was like, who is this guy with the fucking jock strap move? How about that? All right. <laughs> Uh, so then we go to the librarian audition vids. Um, they have like a cute kid they show here. You know, that gets a cheap pop um, and then scan through some other ones. They cut to Joey Ryan cutting a librarian audition vid. Uh, he's got the glasses on because librarians have poor eyesight. And he is interrupted by Swaggle. Swaggle is looking for Joey, but he does not recognize that Joey is Joey. So Joey sends him off uh, in the opposite direction. Uh, this sort of crystallized that a lot of these bits are really straight out of Looney Tunes, but I guess that's, you know, don't mess with the classics. Um, so then Joey takes the glasses off, Swagga walks back and immediately recognizes him. Um, and then, you know, this is, again, building on the idea that people are attacking Joey Ryan because they're trying to get the elite's attention. It's going to be amazing if they had people make all these videos and then they just, like, cast a wrestler <laughs> as the librarian. That yeah. would rule. <laughs> Seems entirely possible. I mean, certainly they can't, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, professionals or aspiring professionals that are participating. So, yeah, I've noticed a lot of people are trying to throw down. There's even someone in the C2E2 panel who openly was like, I'm a librarian. I want to do this. So it would be a pretty heavy bait and switch for them to have someone already planned for it. All right. So we get, uh, Christopher Daniels. It's March 24th. They, uh, cue that on the screen. So you are automatically know that's relevant. Um, he gets out of bed and it's his birthday and his wife has left him a card on the bed stand, but she's not there. <laughs> this thought is really funny. He opens, he wakes up at this empty bed and it, obviously they're selling to us that he's married, but he's just, I don't know, very alone here on his birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> I guess that's not like hourly. Like the idea of that is not funny, but the reality of it is funny <laughs> because it's, oh, they wanted to sell this, but he was obviously just doing it himself on whatever day this really was. So. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I think uh, it is funny, actually. <laughs> uh, so he decides he doesn't like what he looks like at 49. He's looking in the mirror, uh, shirtless. He decides he needs to participate in Adam Page's full gear challenge. Uh, we cut back to Europe. Kip Sabian approaching MJF, uh, and he tries to smooth over the last encounter. Kip tells him that uh, Cody is actually there. Cody is there at the venue, um, but Cody's not there. So good bit. Uh, Cody, we got to Cody who is mad at the nightmare family tracksuit that he had made for MJF. Now that MJF has betrayed him by secretly being a very obvious dick all the time. Um, and then we've got Matt speaking with Kenny about this CEO, ex new, not new Japan, 
CEO XAEW show. They basically have the same argument that uh, myself and Matt or Mike had. Um, Kenny says, you know, it's a different audience. Uh, we're trying to appeal to new people. Uh, you can treat it like a vacation, bring the whole family to Florida. Uh, there's a genuine laugh here where uh, Matt says he doesn't want to do that. He wants to stay home and make love to Mrs. Matt. They pan over to Mrs. Matt, who's lying on the bed. She's just not having it at all. Very, very genuine moment there. That was fun. Yeah. Women be refusing sex, you know? That's right. It's their, uh, their prerogative. That's right. Um, so then we cut to Jabaley. That's his gamer tag. He's training on Fire Pro. <laughs> <laughs> God, that got me. Yeah, we know that people when they play video games, Aaron, they sometimes will have like special sticks and controllers like Jabali had, right? I I have come to learn that. Did, was this your first exposure to true gamer culture today? No, I have spent time on wrestling Twitter and in the VOW Slack where I have been exposed to gamers. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, I'm willing to like hold your hand as as I teach you about like esports. Like we'll start off easy if you really. When I was like in high school and I, uh, you know, still lived at home, there was like this little uh, gaming, like computer gaming company that started up, which has actually expanded and they're like huge now. But they would have like everybody would come there and, uh, you know, play some computer game together. Hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, this sound, there was, you know, I, I grew up in a town of like 4000 people. So it was like there wasn't a lot to do. So it's like, OK, this might be cool. And then I, you know. I want to go, but I also don't have any interest in playing games. Wasn't really going anywhere with this other than to say that I have never been interested in gaming. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. It's just like a fun thing you do. I don't know. It's not that big like a commitment anyway. It's a cool. Yeah, thing. no, I mean, like I've played like, I remember playing Resident Evil a lot when that was first out right. and popular. And I was definitely into like GoldenEye and uh, the WCW games. That were right. on Nintendo 64. Mm -hmm. Oh, we should maybe take an aside about that. And uh, they did address that at C2E2 also. Oh, right. Yeah, they go were, ahead, Nate. They, I think they did, again, hint that they were looking at a potential game. And the uh, subtext, again, was that it, it would be related or or a offspring or coming out of those old WCW, NWO games, WWF No Mercy games and that, that style and engine. Yeah, I like those games at whatever age I was when those were out. So I guess there was a time in my life when I would play some games, but I just, I don't know, not what I'm into now. Too much Americana music for this guy. All right. Yep, a lot of it. Uh, so Jabali's playing Fire Pro, uh, and he's watching the Michael Nakazawa segment from BTE. They cleaned up the editing this time, and every time they said Michael Nakazawa, they would do the funny spin to his wacky face from his debut on this show. So now it's funny to me. Now, now the goofy ass <laughs> cut and whatever you would call that camera move uh, really started to amuse me. Um, so Jabali calls up Matt on the FaceTime and basically convinces Matt to do this show because Matt is obsessed with Michael Nakazawa and Jabali is going to kill Michael Nakazawa. Uh, Matt asks him point blank if he's going to kill Michael Nakazawa and Jabali's like, well, you know, we'll think that over or whatever. Um, so yeah, they announced the show here at the end, AEW X CEO, June 29th in Daytona Beach, Florida. And then Kara is wrong. The new outro is a large improvement over the old one. Hey, big shouts to Kara coming yeah. on the show last week. I thought she was great and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think we'll definitely have her back. Yes. And I had some people reach out to me and say that they enjoyed her on the show. So there you go. Okay. Well, I think that's 
pretty much everything that we intended to cover. <laughs> what we're and a lot of stuff we didn't intend to cover. Uh, here's our our tentative plan: is that early next week we'll come back. We will talk about being the elite and do a quick little rundown of what we're going to be doing at Mania Weekend. So if you're going to be at Mania Weekend, you can come hang out, come say hi. If you're one of those weird people who hates me, uh, please don't come say hi to me at Mania Weekend. Address uh, to Aaron Taub. That's right. That's right. If you're one of those weird people who hates the Aarons, find Aaron Taub and uh, say whatever you want to to him. But leave me alone, please. Uh, so we'll do that next week. We'll plan to have that drop early. I think Mike and I are heading to New York on Wednesday. Oh, so Thursday morning, early Thursday, but basically the same. Okay. I'm leaving early Wednesday morning. So I'm sure sometime, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, you will see uh, an episode drop from us next week. And then, uh, that will be the only one next week. And then I'm sure we'll be back, uh, later that following week on our normal schedule. So I just wanted to keep everyone apprised of what to expect from the Everything Elite crew. All right. Anything else that anybody wants to address before we head out of here? I got nothing. I have no grievances or complaints. Good episode, guys. Okay, cool. I do want to do a quick plug. I was on uh, the Private Eyeball podcast this week talking about Joshi. We previewed the Stardom Corican that happened this morning, but you probably haven't seen it yet, so you can still listen to the preview. And we talked about the Tokyo Joshi Pro Show that's coming up in a couple of days. So if you search for the Private Eyeball Show, you can uh, find that and check it out. And that's it. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. You can find me at AaronLikeTheCar. Mike is at FujiHeya. And Nate is at Epitasis. Make sure you're subscribing to the show. Join our three wonderful friends and rate and review the show on iTunes. And that's it. So for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time. I can't